0: All right, amen. Thank you, ladies. And if you have your Bibles this evening, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3. So if you turn there with me, we're going to pretty much stay in Exodus this evening. I appreciate the songs this evening, and that choir item was excellent. I love it. I was almost like, can I just get them to come back up again and sing that song? Because that was really good. Um, Exodus chapter 3, pastor is on his way, if not already in Sydney. He's doing a wedding this week, so uh, pray for him, uh, just to be a blessing down there. So Exodus 3, we're going to look at, uh, obviously the story here in Exodus, Moses, Pharaoh, Egypt, the plagues, all that sort of stuff. Um, but I'll, I'll say this, this actually came, This what I'm going to give you tonight, what we're going to look at tonight, actually came from, and i got Peter George Jr. to thank for this, came from listening to... My audio Bible in the car just on the way to going to drop the kids off to school in the morning and come back here. So it's about a 30-minute um, drive there and back. And I say Peter George because I know for years he's always said, you know, I just I just chuck the Bible on my car and it's just a real blessing, real encouragement. And I've never really done it too much before. I've always, like, listened to Christian music um, or rock music. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I usually just listen to Christian music or nothing. Um, just think, you know, maybe pray or whatever. And I thought, you know what? If Pete can do it, I can do it. I'm going to give it a go. And it's, it's such a blessing. Like, honestly, if you haven't done it before, I, I really encourage you to do it. Maybe not necessarily you have to do it in your car, but listen to the Bible being spoken by someone else with a good accent. Because there's some really dodgy ones out there. Um, but the one that I'm listening to, it's, it, his, his voice is good. He puts a little bit of intonation into it. But. All that to say, when I was listening to it and just driving along, it, it forced me to think about different aspects of these passages than probably I would not usually think about when I'm just reading it in my devotion time or something like that. At least that's what I got from it. So I'm just sharing that with you. If that's a help to someone, I hope so. Um, but this all came from just listening to that and going, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to think about a different aspect of, of this story. Um, so really I'm not focusing on the plagues. Like I would normally look at this passage and and we'd think about the plagues and like get something from the plagues or something, because that's a pretty big chunk of this passage in Exodus. Um, but really what we're going to focus on tonight is Moses and his determination to carry out God's specific instruction. And yes, the plagues and all that happened around that, but just honing in a little bit on how Moses handled God's instruction and what he asked him to do and, and the carrying out of that. So you're in Exodus uh, chapter 3, um, not necessarily going to read these two verses, but verse 9 and verse 10 is where God gives his first instruction to Moses and what he wants him to do. Uh, and he explains to Moses that he's heard the cry of the people. He, he basically says, you know what, I will deliver them. And he says to Moses, I'm I'm going to call you. I've called you to go unto Pharaoh and essentially make this thing happen. And we see here God's heart for his people and how he uses people to help other people. And so Moses is is the vessel to do this. And I want you to flick down to uh, verse 18 of of chapter 3. And we see here God's specific instructions of what he asked Moses to say to Pharaoh and specific expectations of what God desired from his people. So verse 18 says this, Thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt, and you shall say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us, and now let us go, we beseech thee, three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Now if you look at that verse, he says, these are the specific requirements I want my people to obey. He doesn't just say, I just want you to take them out of Egypt and wherever you go, wherever you end up, that's cool as long as you're not in Egypt. He gives specific instruction here. He says, I want you to go three days' journey. I want you to go into the wilderness. I want you to sacrifice and not just sacrifice anything to anyone, unto the Lord your God or the Lord our God. And this account in Exodus here, and, and you know, it, it's a very familiar account, and that's, that's a little bit of hesitation coming to this passage, because we can already think of a whole lot of things we've already heard uh, on this passage, or things that have already stood out to us. And this, this account in Exodus of God bringing his people out of a place where they shouldn't be anymore, unto a better place for them, it has a lot of stuff in it. It's filled with a lot of things, a lot of, you can say a lot of action. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of God's power on display. Uh, There's a lot of um, seeing how people's hearts are are changed or manipulated or affected. There's a lot of things in here. And what can be easy to miss is what I want to talk about tonight. It's the importance of worship and the danger of compromise. And as soon as I say that, you probably go, oh, look, I know this passage pretty well and I know what Pharaoh does and what he tries to get Moses to do and all that sort of stuff. And that's kind of how I thought about it too. But really, just honing in, like I said, on how Moses handled worship without compromise, without compromise. And this this word compromise it's actually it's actually two words together. Or it's it's part of two words together. Com, which which just means together, and promise something something promise something that's going to outplay. Uh, so two two of those things coming together. And I know most of us probably know what the word compromise means, but the actual definition means this, to lower or weaken your standards, principles, or morals in order to reach an agreement with another party. And now, I would say this, there's good compromise and there's bad compromise. And what I'm talking about tonight is worshipping God without the bad compromise, but you can say, hey, there actually is good compromise and if you're married or if you have kids or you know, really if you're just a person, uh, you know that there is, there is good compromise. And I'll give you an example. Years ago when the kids were probably, I tried to get the specific date from Reese, but she couldn't remember, probably about when they were like five and three each or six and four. Um, we were living at a place and Nicole was like, hey, we should get some pets for the kids. And I'm like... I don't want to get pets for the kids because pets for the kids means pets for us, which means we're looking after the pets. It's not the kids at five and six or four or whatever age they were. They're not going to be looking after these pets. So I was like, no, we're not getting pets. I don't even want fish. Like fish are probably the easiest pet to look after. I'm like, I don't want pets. And so Nicole's like, yeah, but I want pets and I want pets for the kids and I want to be able to teach them, you know, to look after something, whatever, whatever. So I'm like, uh, okay. Okay. And so I'm 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 shifting on my position of no pets, you know, at least no pets until they're like twenty-three when they can actually look after themselves. <laughs> and so then the conversation happened of what kind of pet. And so one of the pets Nicole said was chickens. Now I'll just tell you this. If you think chickens are pets, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> chickens are not pets. Chickens are food and they produce food. Chickens are not cuddly and like you can't like put them on your lap. They're like, scratchy and stink and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, I was like I'm not shift I'm shifted a little bit but I'm not shifting on that. I am not having chickens. I don't want their mess. I don't even want to touch one. I just want to eat one, okay? And that's not really going to teach the kids much about pets. So, we had to come to a compromise. I had to shift, she had to shift, and we ended up with guinea pigs. And I'll tell you what, guinea pigs are probably, outside of fish, the next easiest thing to look after. Mind you, we still look after them now. They don't even want their guinea pigs. But that's a good compromise where it's like, okay, look, let's work together and come to an agreement, right? That you would all say, okay, I've probably done that before. And if you haven't, you should probably try it sometime, because it's really helpful. But that's not the kind of compromise we're talking about here. With with this worship without compromise, the the compromise is not a good thing. The compromise is a bad thing because it's actually taking what God said he wanted and and shifting that. Usually we're the ones who need to shift. It's not what God wants that needs to shift. And so that's what we're going to look at here. So if you have a look in chapter 6, if you just flick forward to chapter 6 of Exodus... God shows here, I'm just going to read a few verses here, five to eight. God shows his heart for his people and why he wanted what he asked for. And, and can I just say this? This is really important. Because if you just look through this account of God taking his people out of, out of Egypt and you miss this, then you miss a whole lot of God's heart. Because then you will just see it as, oh, these are some events that happened and then they ended up in this place. And if you miss God's heart you've missed the whole point of the whole the whole story. So this is showing God's heart why he wanted his people out of that place and then he used Moses to do that. So Exodus chapter 6 verse 5 it says and I have also this is God speaking to Moses I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians keep in bondage and I have remembered my covenant wherefore say unto the children of Israel I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. Verse 7 And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for an inheritance. I am the Lord. So he communicates this to Moses and says, this is why everything is going to take place. He mentions there with great judgments in verse 6, that's the plagues. And that's a big chunk of this. But he just like kind of glosses over that in this passage. He says, you know what? It's actually more about my intention, my heart for my people and what I want to produce in them. And so he says here, basically, I listed three things that he's communicating here to Moses. He wants their physical and spiritual health. He says, I'll rid you out of their bondage from the Egyptians. He wants a devoted relationship with them. He says, I'll take you to me for a people and I'll be to you a God. And he wants them to inherit promises. He says in verse 8, I will bring you in unto the land. He says, I will give it to you for an heritage. And you know what? These things are all tied to mankind's worship of an almighty God. These are things that make up the relationship that he wants with his people. And so he's communicating this from the beginning because imagine this, imagine if if he said to Moses, hey, I want you to go and just tell tell the people uh, I'm going to get you out of here. Go and tell Pharaoh, can you please let them go? And then all this chaos ensues and Moses is just going, what is this? I don't even understand this. What is this for? So he's actually communicated to Moses, this is my heart. This is what I want to happen and why I want it to happen. And he didn't just say it to Moses so Moses knew. He wanted the elders of Israel also to hear that, and they did. And then that was supposed to trickle down to everyone else and be told to them so that they understood when everything went down, it's actually because God cares, not just because God's this fiery, thundery God of wrath. He was showing his heart towards his people. And you know the story, most likely. Moses has already experienced firsthand this a process of trying to circumvent god's ways and you, we we do it we do it all the time we try and look for a different way a different method uh, a, a different way around uh, what god said and moses was no different if you flick back, you don't have to but if you did flick back to exodus 3 and 4 you'll see moses having that conversation with god you know who am i they're not going to believe me they're not going to listen to me uh, he talks about the fact he's not eloquent uh, and he says in Exodus 4, you know, send whom thou wilt send. Like, maybe there's someone else better for this job. And through all of that, Moses himself had to get to the place where he believed and trusted in God's way over everything else. Because Moses probably had his own thinking of how, how, how this is all going to happen, what needs to happen. And he even, like, questioned a little bit, am I the right person for the job but God communicated to him his heart on what he wanted to do and at some point it kind of clicked for Moses. He went from, oh, I'm not sure, to actually, okay, this is the way you're going to do this and now I'm going to be the guy that communicates that to everybody else. So he had to come through his own doubts to get to this place. I'll make this statement. Moses was not just representing God, he was choosing God. He wasn't just the ambassador for God. He wasn't just, okay, God has put his hand upon me or picked me out of a bunch of people uh, to be his mouthpiece or to be the guy that's supposed to do these things. Moses himself actually had to choose that for himself. Because think about it, he could have run away like Jonah did. But he got to that point where he's like, no, this actually is good and I am choosing to step into this myself as well. You realise that you and I all have that, Opportunity to respond to God's ways like that. He'll lay it out for us. This is the best way. This is what I want you to do. And you might know that it's the right way, but you still have to step into that. You still have to make that choice yourself. And Moses did that. He was choosing to represent God. And also, this didn't all just rest with Moses. And, and this, is, this is kind of the stuff that stood out to me when I was listening, listening to this account being read is that it wasn't all just resting on Moses. There's multiple times in this passage where God says, get the elders of Israel and bring them in and they will also see these things, they will also be part of these conversations. Moses showed some of, his, some of those first few miracles to the elders of Israel before they even got shown to Pharaoh. And so the elders of Israel, and you think about that, Therefore, heads of families, heads of people groups, they were also hearing this and getting God's heart. So you know what that's like? That's like a church. That's like a a big group of people that can all individually step into something, but are hearing it trickle down through different channels. And so we hear God's heart on a matter, but guess what? We all have a part to play in that. And so we see that kind of happening. Moses choosing to step into that. And his his choice to do things God's way is worshipping God. Think about this. His choice to accept God's way and walk in it is already worshiping God. And I say that because in our day and age, when we use the word worship, instantly our mind probably goes to, ah, the singing, the music, whatever, whatever kind of aspect of that you wanna you wanna think about. But that's kind of the 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 go-to for most of us when we use that word worship. And I know our society and Christian society has kind of made it a little bit that way. And we say worship service, oh, is that just a song service? No, it's giving worth to God service. And so Moses even stepping into this role God gave him is worshipping God. It's giving worth to God. It's not giving worth to himself and his ways and what he wants to do. And so that's important because you see that then played out in how Moses responds to Pharaoh, how Moses responds to the people, that he's choosing to give worth to God every step of the way. And he's doing it without compromise. He's not shifting on it. So I am getting to a point. Through the plagues, God mentioned important things for Moses, for the Hebrew people, Pharaoh, his servants, and the Egyptians all to observe, and there's way too many to go to. I, I noted down about 17 specific Uh, scriptures or places between Exodus 7 and Exodus 14 where God made mention of these important things. And you know what they are? I'll give you one. You can turn there if you like, Exodus chapter 8, verse 22 to 23. And he says this kind of thing over and over, different ways to different people, different scenarios. This is um, just before he brings the plague of flies. Exodus 8:22-23. He says this, and I will sever in that day the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there. And look at what he says here: To the end thou mayest know that I am the Lord, in the midst of the earth. Verse 23, really important. And I will put a division between my people and thy people. Time and time again, in all these different places, God says, I'm doing this to show that there should be a division between my people and those people. There should be a division between the Christians and the non-Christians. My heart is not just to take them out of a place and put them in another place. It's actually to form in them something different to everyone else. That's the reason that he did what he did. That's the reason that he went to the lengths that he went to, because he's saying, this is my heart for my people. I'm not just forcing them out and plonking them somewhere else. I want them to understand my heart. They get my heart. They transfer that to everyone else, and then they start being a people that looks to God. That's what he's doing. So he says this in so many different places. He wants to put a difference between his people and everyone else. And Pharaoh, in this whole account, and we're not even going to look at everything Pharaoh says, but Pharaoh, in this whole account, you can liken to our reasoning, our heart, which the Bible says time and time again is, is wicked, deceitful, tricks us. He, his voice and his, his reasonings is like what we do when we don't want to go God's way. It's like the, world, the world's pull. It's like the world has this pull that's like, hey, just wants to suck everything into it and just do it our way. Pharaoh is a little bit like that in in this account. And also to some extent the devil and his angels, his workers that try and get into people's lives and try and manipulate things. And you know what the ultimate goal, the ultimate aim and even with our own heart that can be deceitful is this, it's seeking compromise. It's, it's seeking agreement, like what is the best and most comfortable way for me to go forward in this? But here's the thing, we're not supposed to agree with the world, with how we're supposed to worship God. We're not supposed to agree with everyone outside of Christianity, with how we're supposed to handle this thing called worship to God. We're not supposed to agree. Like, yes, I should agree with my wife on a lot of things and try and find that middle ground, but when it comes to worshipping God, we're not supposed to agree with every other way of doing it. We're supposed to go, no, this is what God said. Let's go and walk in this way. And that was Moses got that heart and he was trying to like communicate that to everyone else. He was trying to not compromise and he didn't compromise. And I'll say this. I, I kind of mold over this statement a little bit, but I, I'll say this. Moses had to be either stubborn Or submitted to not compromise. So, for him to not budge on God's instructions, he either had to be stubborn and just hard headed, stiff necked, or submitted to what he knew was the best way. Submitted to God's way only, not anyone else's way, not my way, not Pharaoh's way, not the Egyptians' way. He had to be either stubborn or submitted. And I think we can all agree he was submitted. And he was the, the meekest man. Like, you know, it, it's just his character. It's who he is. But that's actually a lesson for all of us to think about. For me, for me not to compromise on what God's expected of me, for me, I can't be stubborn about it. I actually need to submit myself to his will. So the following points, I'm just going to give you four different points. We'll go through these pretty quick. Show Moses' submission to holding to a true worship of God, not shaking on it. And the first one is this, that separation unto God is part of true worship. Separation unto God is part of true worship. Exodus 8, verse 25, uh, we've already had four plagues upon Egypt up to this point, the blood, the frogs, the lice, and the flies. And, and Exodus eight twenty-five. obviously there's been a lot of destruction, uh, a lot of hurt. And Pharaoh says this, and Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, go ye, sacrifice to your God, look at the next three words, in the land. So Moses has been asking, hey, can you please let God's people go? We're going to go do this. This is how God wants us to leave. And Pharaoh's like, no, Pharaoh's no, 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 just keeps going like that. And then you've got these four plagues go on and he's still stubborn. He's still not going to budge on his way. And then Pharaoh says, hey, you know, this is getting a bit much now, calls for them and says, hey, you can go and do what you want to do. You can sacrifice to your God. You can be Christians like you want to be, but just do it in this land. Don't leave this place. Just stay right here. And I'll say this, that whenever there's a compromise, whenever there's an opportunity to compromise, there's an appeal and then there's the actual compromise. There's the, hmm, I'm considering that. Like, what can I consider? What, what seems like a, a good deal in this? And then the flip side is the actual, you've got to shift on something and there's a compromise. And so I'm not saying that Moses necessarily thought these things about the appeal, but these are some lessons for us to learn about something like this. Because we're talking about worshipping God and there's an option there of, hey, just do it like this. Don't, don't go outside. Don't, don't necessarily follow to the, to the nth degree everything God said. There's another way you can do it. And the appeal is, hey, worshipping God in this land of Egypt that we're already in, that's pretty convenient. Well, you don't have to uproot anyone. You don't have to, like, go through the motions of packing up and travelling out and, you know, going to an unknown place and all that sort of stuff. It's actually pretty convenient. You know why? Because you can just kind of keep most things the same. And we're talking about worshipping God here, not just like singing praises unto him, but giving him worth in your life, through your life, through your decisions. And so our natural instinct will be, hey, if I can do that the easy way, we usually like want to consider that. That's just the nature of mankind. I know that's my nature. I want the easiest, most convenient way. And it kind of comes through statements like, well, you can just... Add some worship to your lifestyle you already have. And you might say, oh, look, this is not me tonight. I'm already pretty committed. I'm, like, focused on worshipping God, how he said. Uh, I come to church and I do everything he says and all that sort of stuff. But maybe there's somebody that you know that is in this position of feeling that compromise, that they could do Christianity, they could worship God in this other way and it's still going to be okay. Okay. And, you know, Moses teaches us here that he didn't want any of that. He, he, there was an appeal, but he didn't compromise. The compromise would have been, if they stayed in that land, the compromise would have been that there was no division between them and between the Egyptians, which in verse 23 he said, hey, this is what I want. I want a division between the two. He, w- he would have been compromising on what God required. And not only that, Moses says in verse 26 of chapter 8, He talks about if we stay here and we do sacrifice here, we're going to be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians unto our God. We're not going to be worshipping him how he wants us to worship him. We're going to be mixing things together. It's going to be a little unclear. It's going to be a little muddy. And actually, he says, won't they stone us if we do that because there's just this conflict? And you can liken it to our day and age where there's just a constant battle for true worship to God. And if you're in a workplace and you're trying to talk about the Lord, if you if you're trying to tell people about the Lord or, or what you do and you have your convictions on things, there is going to be a battle for that. There's going to be a battle about that. And Moses is saying, you know what, we're not going to have that because it's just going to be mixed up, it's going to send different signals and it's not going to work out well. Verse 27, Moses reiterates God's expectation Verse 27, we will go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he shall command us. It's almost like Moses said this, it doesn't matter what you say, Pharaoh, we are doing this. He just said, you know, what did God ask us to do? This, we will go three days journey, we're going to go to the wilderness and we're going to sacrifice. Those are the things that God instructed in the first place. He didn't go, "Mm, actually, that sounds like a pretty good deal. That sounds pretty sweet that we could just like stay here, not upset everyone, you know, familiarity, all that sort of stuff. But he doesn't do that. He says, no, I'm going to keep it clear. This is what God actually instructed. So the first one is separation unto God is part of true worship. We need to be separate unto God. There needs to be a a difference in us than the world. There needs to, hey, can I say this? There needs to be a difference in us than wishy-washy Christians, wishy-washy churches, wishy-washy doctrine. Did you hear me? There should be a difference in us than all wishy-washy, muddied doctrine, muddied churches, muddied faith. I'm not saying we are the only ones who have the truth, but if we believe we have the truth, then we should look different and be different and act different and think different and talk different than a whole lot of other Christians. The second one is this. Devotion unto God is part of true worship. Devotion unto God is part of true worship. Exodus 8, look at verse 28. This is pretty much straight after Pharaoh said, hey, why don't you just stick, stick in the land here? Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Oh, good, he's come around. Only you shall not go very far away. Pharaoh attempts here to keep them on a short leash. He's saying, hey, I'll, I'll shift a little bit if you shift a little bit. If you don't be so fanatic about it, let's just like kind of find this 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 place in the middle. He wants to keep him on a short leash, short leash. The appeal here is well, there's not too much of a change. We can go out, we can we can we can up and go and worship to our God, but not 3 days journey, just just a little bit. And that way, like, we're still kind of close to home and still kind of close to our comforts. And, you know, if we're out there and maybe we just don't like it out there or that we run into some problems, we're not too far from where we were to just go back. Hey, I don't know about this, but <laughs> I just thought of what happened today. Today, we're finished here, you know, talked a little bit after the service. I went home. I'm like, I just got to, you know, get ready for tonight. So I take Reese home and we're at home, and Laura's going to stay here and come home with Nicole. And so I get home, and I get changed, and then Laura rings me and is like, um, where are you guys Like at home? Where's mum? I don't know. She was taking you home. Well, she's left, and I'm kind of here by myself. And I said, too bad. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I, and I thought, and I'm weighing it up. I'm like, I'm already home. It's too It's too much. It's too far. I'm. You know, I'm five minutes away. It's... I am already changed. Like, I'm not getting back in the car. Like, I'm weighing up. Is it worth going back to get her? No. I, I mean, I was weighing that up as, as far as is it worth me going back or is Nicole kind of already halfway here and she's, like, closer or whatever, whatever. All I'm saying is this. That's how we think about things. I, I'm this far away so I can still kind of go back. It's still kind of, it's still kind of close enough to go back to that thing. And I think there's a specific reason God said three days journey. And I know we don't usually walk three days, but even if you're travelling three days in a car or whatever, three days journey is three days journey. If you leave your phone home and you go three days journey, you're not coming back to get it. But hey, what about this? If you leave some bad habits and bad worship things at home and you go three days' journey unto God, you're probably less likely to go back and do those things. And that's kind of what God's saying, hey, three days, he, he knew what he was doing when he said three days. And so Pharaoh's compromise is, hey, just go a little bit out. It's closer than I was saying before. It's better for you because you're getting a little bit more of what you want. But Moses says, no, it's not three days. It has to be three days' journey. It has to be three days. It has to be in the wilderness. And the compromise, again, is that there's just no division. It's the equivalent of keeping something around when you should just get rid of it. And we probably all have something. It might be a book. It might be something saved on a bookmark on our computer, like... One day I might look at that. One day I might go back to that. One day I might want that. And you know what we do? And it's just natural. It's just human. We, just, we attach feelings and emotions. We attach sentiment and memories to different things. And we like to have some things kind of close by at hand if we ever need. And God's saying you can't truly worship me properly if you're having things close by at a moment's notice. You have to go three days' journey so you get your heart right. You have to go three days' journey so even if you feel like you want that thing or you want to go back to that thing, you really got to work for it to do that. And so our life as Christians should be like that. We should be making it harder and harder to go back to some things that, honestly, it's just our sin nature that, that drives that. So you can't make the excuse, oh, well, I've got a sin nature, so I guess just keeping things on hand, it's just how it has to be. No, God says, make provision that you're far enough away. And that's talking about in here. It's talking about in here. Look, if I had to be three days' journey from physical things that were a temptation to me, I wouldn't be able to go anywhere. Maybe three days up. That's about it. But so there's a spiritual aspect to this, there's a there's a heart aspect to this. And Moses' answer to to Pharaoh was no. Verse 27. He reiterates he says, we will go three days' journey. Pharaoh says, Don't don't go very far. You shall not go very far away. It's kind of like this don't go too far in your convictions. Don't be a fanatic as a Christian. Don't be that weird Christian. Don't be that one that, you know, goes to church three days, three, three days a week or three times a week. Just, just be a Christian. Don't cause too much ruckus in the workplace or in your family. Don't be too committed. Don't be too devoted. Just give some of your life to him, but not all of it. And that's basically what Pharaoh is saying. Hey, just you can have a little bit, but don't go way out there. But we should be going way out there, way out there unto God. Commitment and loyalty become unclear, become muddy, and become ambiguous when we try and have the best of both worlds as a Christian. We're compromising. And thankfully, (laughs) Moses did not compromise. So devotion unto God is part of true worship. The first one was separation, devotion, and the third one is bringing others unto God is part of true worship. Exodus chapter 10. Bringing others unto God is part of true worship. Exodus 10, verse 8. And Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh, and he said unto them, Go, serve the Lord your God. But, and he asks this question, Who are they that shall go? So he's saying you can do what you want, but I'm just going to clarify something. Who are we actually talking about? Who of you are actually going to go and, and serve and sacrifice to the Lord that you're saying? Pharaoh agrees to let them go, but then he immediately opens a door For compromise. And if you have a look, Exodus 10, verse number 9, Moses has a response. He said, We will go with our young and with our old, with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and with our herds will we go. Why? For we must hold a feast unto the Lord. He says, All the people and all the cattle, all of our provision, all of our resources, all of those things are going. Why? because God already told me his heart for his people and what he wants to form in us, and that includes everyone and everything. He continues to be clear that, you know what, God actually wants all of us. He wants all aspects. For true worship, he wants all of us. All our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our being, all our strength, all our might. God deserves every single part. God deserves every relationship to be committed unto him. God deserves every part of your influence you have over other people to be committed unto him, every single bit. The compromise could be here for Moses, hey, well, the men are the only ones who kind of have to leave and follow the Lord because Pharaoh's like, "Uh, no, not your kids, just the men go. Well, that's good enough, isn't it, that just the head of the households have that influence in their families? that the head of the household is the spiritual one or the head of the household or the head of that, that people group or whatever it is, that they're the ones who represent others. So if they have a good walk with the Lord, then surely that's good enough. You don't have to worry about bringing your family along your journey with you. Hey, and I'll, I'll say this, as a parent, and if you're a parent, you probably have been through this thought and I've probably been through it more just because I just question every single thing. It's like, should we teach and train our kids in this way? And it seems like we're brainwashing them. And I'm just being honest. I know what the Bible says, but sometimes you think, am I going over the top? Am I like even letting them have a choice in anything with what they, what they should be doing unto God? Like I'm training them in these ways, like you should do this and you should be like this and God expects this. And sometimes you feel like, oh, am I like being a little bit too much on my kids? I know, maybe I should, I should just have this walk myself and then they just see it modeled in me and maybe that's enough. Hey, I'm just being honest with you. That's that's sometimes how my brain works, okay? And so the compromise here can be just hey, follow that train of thought. You just look after you and then maybe some other people follow you in that regard and God still gets gets glorified. God still gets praised because, you know, the head of that that people group is is following him. But Leave your family, leave your children, leave their future out of this. They can decide that for themselves and they can see it in you and then they'll just follow after you. That's a bit of a compromise. God says, no, you're supposed to train up your child in the way they should go. You're supposed to love your wife. You're supposed to love your husband. You're supposed to teach people about him. You're supposed to model it, yes, but you're also supposed to teach it and bring them along with you. You're supposed to invest in other people. You're supposed to tell other people about the Lord. We had another kid, a high school kid, get saved this week. Why? Because people are investing in people. And they're not just going, well, I'm just going to live my life and I'm just going to be a Christian how God wants me to be and like you know, put the blinders on to everyone else. No, you've got to open those up and say, hey, it's actually worth investing in other people and bringing them along the journey. It wasn't good enough for Moses just to say, well, it's just me and my family are going to go out and worship the Lord. And I know God gave him that appointment to be kind of like the representation for everyone. But imagine if he did just say, well, it's good enough that I'm doing this and you guys can decide for yourselves. No, he was leading by example. So we can't actually compromise on that. If we have influence, use it for the Lord. Bring people with you along that journey. Show them by example, yes, but teach them, talk to them, have discussions, have arguments if you really must, but get the Lord in a conversation, get the Lord into someone's life whether they're in your family, whether it's a friend, whether it's some, a stranger, it doesn't matter. But basically, we need to make sure that we're bringing people unto God with us. Bringing others unto God is part of true worship. Last one here, surrender. Surrender, or you could say giving unto God, is part of true worship. Exodus chapter 10, again, just a few verses forward, verse 24. We've had another three plagues since then, so seven in total upon Egypt up to this point, and the most previous three were that the cattle were killed, there was boils upon people, and then the hail mingled with fire. Exodus 10, 24, And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye, serve the Lord, only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Hey, I'm going to throw in something good for you. Let your little ones also go with you. You can have what you wanted, Moses. You asked for... The people you ask for the three days journey, you ask for the wilderness. Uh, you can have all of that. Just leave your flocks, leave your herds behind. Hey, that sounds like the best deal so far. And I can tell you this: the, the 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 enemy doesn't care how you compromise; he just cares that you compromise. But you know what? Your heart also doesn't care how you compromise. Your heart only cares that you compromise. The world doesn't care how you compromise. The world just cares that you compromise. And Moses has an opportunity here. Well, that is actually the best deal. Maybe this, look, it's been seven plagues already. I don't know that Moses knew how many plagues were going to come. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. It doesn't say. But Moses could have been feeling at this point, well, how much longer is this going to go? I mean, Pharaoh's just hardening his heart. He's just hardened, hardened, hardened. He just keeps saying no. No. Maybe I should take this deal. You know that stupid show Deal or No Deal? <laughs> take it, take it, you greedy guts. That's basically what we do. We look at the TV and go, well, if I was in that position, I'd take it. But you know what? If I was in Moses' position, I probably would take it. But I'm glad he didn't because he shows an example of not compromising on true worship to God. He did not take that. You know, It sounds like, well, look, less things to take with you, right? Less things to to, to care about, to up and, and pack and leave and all that sort of stuff. You know, you don't have to feed and water and all that sort of stuff, all the cattle and the herds, and there would have been many of them. But he didn't take that. But here's the thing. Moses was like, you know what, it's all or nothing. Every single part, God wants every single part. These resources, this substance that God's given, they need to be used for their intended purpose. Moses actually said, we need to go and sacrifice to, to, to our God and we don't know how that's all going to play out. He said that earlier to Pharaoh. He said, he uh, he's asked us to sacrifice unto him and we actually don't know the full details of that. So Moses is of the opinion, if God said up and leave, take everything that's yours, that's your resource, that's your substance and use that to follow me. And so Moses goes, okay, every single thing, every single animal. He says in verse what 25, 26. Moses said, "Thou must give us also sacrifices and burnt offerings, that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God." Verse 26. Our cattle also shall go with us. Look what he says here. There shall not an hoof be left behind. Not a hoof be left behind. Nothing. Not the smallest part of an animal out of thousands upon thousands of animals. He says we shouldn't even leave a part behind, not even a whole animal, not even just a part. Why? For thereof must we take to serve the Lord our God, and we know not with what we must serve the Lord until we come thither. Hey, surrender, I mean, you could say surrender it crosses all different aspects of a Christian's life, but it definitely involves giving. It definitely involves giving, and that's, that's all areas of giving giving your time your talents your treasures we've heard it many times but i think sometimes we just kind of gloss over it but surrender requires giving and what god was going to use those flocks and those herds for was a sacrifice was a giving was was a representation of where they are at of what he wanted to set up in them as a, as a people group worshiping the lord he wanted to picture the lord jesus christ in his sacrifice he wanted to use all of that substance For true worship unto God. So, what has that got to do with you and me today? Well, everything that He gave Moses and the Hebrew people, He wanted them to use it to worship Him. So, everything He gives you and me, He wants us to use that to worship Him. What? He wants all my money? Yes and no. He wants the ability to have all your money. He's probably not going to ask for all your money. But He wants you to go, you know what? It is yours, Lord. You take what you need. Let me, help me give to you what you need, what I should give, and then I get whatever's left. That's the approach that we should have. But it definitely involves giving. But surrender involves so much more than just giving financially. But what are your resources? What has God blessed you with? What is your substance? That's what God wants you to use to worship him, to give worth to him. Any compromise... Big or seemingly small, even down to a hoof, means that God doesn't get all he deserves. And it means that he doesn't get what he asked for. So surrender and giving unto God is part of true worship. Look, I'm glad that Moses stuck to what God said. And that's an example for me. That's an example for all of us. That's an example for Christians everywhere. And the story of Exodus from Egypt really does revolve around Moses and others' conviction to value what God values in worship to him. And that's probably the main thing that stuck out to me out of all of this is you can look at the plagues, you can look at the destruction, you can look at even what those things mean, you can look at how God works in a heart and with Pharaoh and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, God did what he did because he wanted to do something with his people and he he wanted a yield He wanted fruit to come of that. He wanted to establish something in those that call themselves his. Separation, devotion, others, and surrender. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we do thank you once again for an opportunity to gather together, an opportunity, Lord, to uh, just hear from you tonight. Lord, we thank you for this whole day that you've just spoken to us. Lord, you've shown us things. You've ministered to our hearts, Lord God. And our Father, I do pray that you would help us to take all that has taken place today to use it for your glory. Help us, Lord, even just to meditate upon these things that we've seen tonight in your word, just to use all that we have to worship you, Lord God. Help us, Lord, to give all of our thoughts, give all of our relationships, all of our influence, all of our finances, all of our time, all of our effort and energy and Everything, Lord, that we have, help us to use it to worship you. I pray, Lord, that through that, that you would be glorified. Through that, that people would come unto you. Through that, that people would see their need for you, Lord God. Through that, through that, that people would see who you are. And Father, we thank you for the example here. We thank you that your Holy Spirit empowers us each day to live for you. I pray that you would guide us as we go into this week, Lord. Help us to live for you at every second, every moment, every decision. And we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.